Amen and amen. We serve a supernatural God that moves in supernatural ways. And I am just so longing for 2020 to be just a time where the Spirit breaks out and moves in a mighty way. I am tired of church being philosophical and I am tired of church being predictable. I want us to come into the house of God ducking and jiving because we don't know what God is going to do next in our midst. Come on, get somebody say amen to that. How many of you are ready for the unexpected? Amen. Bless God, bless God. Well, enough of that. If you remain standing with me here today, I'd like to invite you to open the Bible with me to the book of Isaiah. We're going to Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to begin at verse number 1. This has been on my heart since last Monday night. I will talk about that a little more in a moment, but I just have been anxious to get into the pulpit today and to share with you what the Lord has laid on my heart. Isaiah 6, we're going to begin at verse number 1. Isaiah 6 and verse 1, say amen if you're there already. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I love that. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. I want to share with you for just a few moments, very simple message I've entitled, The Year the King Died. The Year the King Died. Father, I know they don't understand it right now, but I'm praying that this would be the year that the kings of our heart would die so that we might see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That everything that we have allowed to rule and dictate our life would die this year so that we may surrender totally and completely to the Almighty God of all creation. May our eyes see the glory of God and that He is in the earth presently. That there is no circumstance that we will ever face that will diminish the glory and power of God. For you have all power and all authority all the time. May you be lifted up and exalted, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Would you give the Lord praise in His house one more time here this morning? Come on, you can do better than that. Give Him all the praise in His house. Bless the Lord. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell them, I love you, in Jesus' mighty name. You know, every man, every woman, who has in one way or another shaped and formed and influenced the world that we live in has experienced a turning point. You might say a defining moment in their life, a moment that changed their mind, a moment that changed their perception of things, a moment that changed their perspective, 
and in many cases even provided a vision for them moving forward. Something that happened to them, something that they heard, something that they saw, something that they went through that forever changed the course of their life. At seven years old, a young boy told a little girl who lived across the street from him that he had been adopted, something that he had always known. His adopted parents had made it very clear to him at a young age. She immediately responded, so does that mean your real parents didn't want you? Now he had never thought about it that way before, and so he immediately broke down, burst into tears, and ran home. Little did he know that even though that was a painful moment, it would actually be a defining moment in his life, that what was about to happen would change the course of his life. His parents finally calmed him down and they asked him what had happened. He informed them of the girl's words and they looked at him and they said, Son, we specifically picked you. You were not wanted, you were chosen by your mom and your dad. And that little seven-year-old boy threw his shoulders back and for the rest of his life, he lived as a chosen son. And he determined that he had a purpose in this world. And 14 years later, out of his family garage with his high school friend, Steve Jobs founded a company you may have heard about at one point or another And that is Apple. Another Steve, ironically, around the same age at this time, about seven or eight, wrote his first original story. And he took it to his mother. It was about four magical animals that drove around in a car. His mother read it, and she looked at her son and said, Son, that is good enough to be in a book. And that was a defining moment for that little boy. He determined at seven years old he was going to be an author. And many years later, and millions of dollars later, reflecting back on that single statement in an interview, Stephen King said, Nothing anyone has said to me since has made me feel any happier. At 24, a young journalist arrived in Cape Town, South Africa, to cover the Boer War. Two weeks later, the armored train that he had been traveling in was captured, and he was taken captive and held as a prisoner of war. Miraculously, he was able to escape from his captors, but even after escaping, there was still 300 miles of enemy territory that he would have to pass through before he was truly free. So without a map, without a compass, without a weapon, without any resources, without water, without any food, he ventured out. He survived that ordeal and it would define the rest of his life. He would eventually return to his native country, he would enlist in the army, and then he would return to South Africa, not as a journalist, but now as a soldier. And he immediately volunteered for the most dangerous and the bloodiest of all the battles being fought. He would eventually return a war hero, 
A few years later, he won his very first seat in Parliament, and years after that, Winston Churchill would courageously lead the United Kingdom through the turbulent years of World War II, and many would say that it had it not been for his courage that Hitler would have advanced even in a greater way. And that is because every man and every woman that has been used to shape, influence, and impact the world had a defining moment had a turning point in their life that would forever change the course of their days. And I'm going to stand before you today and tell you that what is true on a secular level is even truer and I would say necessary on a spiritual level. I am not a newcomer to the faith. I've been in the faith all of my days, saved at five years old. Every man or woman of God has experienced a defining moment, a turning point in their life that changed the trajectory of their life. There was something that they heard, something that they saw, something that they witnessed and saw God bring them through that would forever change the rest of their life. And they will look back on that and say, from that day forward, I was never the same again. From Abraham and his defining moment on Mount Moriah, where he was willing to offer his only son Isaac as an offering to the Lord, to Moses and his defining moment at the burning bush. From David's encounter with Goliath that left a nation crying out his name and celebrating the victory that he had won, to Paul's temporary blindness brought about as a result of the brilliant glory of the Christ being revealed to him on the road to Damascus, every man of God, every woman of God has had a defining moment that changed the course of their life and served as a moment where they could go back in times of struggle and uncertainty certainty and find stability that God brought me through then he challenged my heart then and I know that he's going to see me through today in Jesus mighty name can somebody give God the praise it is not just these great men and women of God it's for all of us now this is my opinion and I readily admit that this is my opinion but seeing that I'm the only one that has a mic it's the only opinion that matters right now You are free to disagree with me if you please, but I'm going to tell you that today, far too many Christians cannot identify a defining moment, a turning point in their lives when they had such a dramatic encounter with God that their lives were never the same again. Too many have become professional Christians where they will say things like, well, I think I've always been serving the Lord. But they cannot remember a single moment in their walk with God where their life was transformed, where they can look back and say, I met God that night, and from that night on, fear never crippled me again. From that moment on, anxiety never crippled me again. From that moment on, lust was never an issue because my eyes by faith had seen the living God and I've never been the same again. Folks, can I tell you, we need some of these defining moments. Can I hear a better amen here today? We need these defining moments. Some of you say, well, Pastor Kurt, I don't know if it's really that important. Oh, really? Well, why is it that you never forget your birthday? 
even though you never had one memory of it. You never forget your birthday. You never forget the day you got married. You will never forget the day that your children were born. And I'm not taking anything away from those things. They're important, but they're not nearly as important as the day that you meet Jesus Christ and are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm going to tell you something today, folks. A God that inhabits eternity can't move into your heart and you not remember the day that He transformed you. We serve a mighty God. And when He comes to live in you, your life is changed forever in His mighty name. Come on, somebody. Say amen. In recent years, I've heard people say, well, I think I've always known the Lord. Well, I've always gone to church, and I grew up in the faith, and I remember one time coming into an altar. Listen, I'm not diminishing any of those things, but what I want to know is, when did you have such a faith encounter with the Holy Spirit that you started to live as a chosen son or daughter of Almighty God, that literally you threw back your shoulders and said, I was chosen, I have been adopted by Jesus. Jesus Christ. When was the last time that you had such a dramatic encounter with God that all of a sudden you realized, wait a minute, greater is he that is living in me than he that is in this world. And in Christ, I can do all things through the Holy Spirit. When was that encounter that filled your heart with such courage that you literally went through hell and back with absolutely no fear because you were confident that the God who led you in is a God that's going to lead you out in Jesus mighty name I wish that there was somebody here that I could preach to today that knew about a defining moment that you look back and you say I was never the same again after I met my God can somebody give the Lord all the praise in this house if you know what I'm talking about I was Isaiah was no exception to this this may be the sixth chapter of Isaiah but it could easily be the first Because it is here that he actually outlines the defining moment that changed his life. As we read, he is remembering when it happened. He remembers where it happened. He remembers what he saw, what he confessed, and what the Father said to him and commissioned him to do. And I will tell you that what happened this day would change the rest of his life and it would carry him throughout the rest of his days. Historians tell us, this is not in the Bible, but historians tell us, and there is a very brief um, and somewhat uh, ambiguous look at it in Hebrews chapter 11 where it talks about those who were sawn asunder. And historians tell us that that is how Isaiah died. Isaiah was placed into a hollowed out log and sawn in half. And I have to believe in my heart that the reason he was able to face the executioner's blade with no fear is that he many years before had seen the Lord high and lifted up and even in the Old Testament had some understanding that to be absent from the body would to be present with the Lord. And that's why I'm telling you that there has to be a moment Because it is that moment that will carry you, that will give you purpose, that will give you direction, that will give you encouragement when life is difficult. And that came this day to Isaiah. I've got to be honest, as tempted as I am to really get into this text, there is really only one thought 
that I have to share with you this morning. So quickly, I need to get to work so that I can set this up for you. Verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Now, sometimes we are tempted to just read over portions of Scripture that we do not see any significance with. We don't feel that they are that important. But please do not miss the depth of what he just said. That this all happened in the same year that King Uzziah died was saying a lot. Some of you are aware of the fact that King Uzziah was the king of Judah at that particular time. And for the most part, more often than not, Uzziah was known as a man who did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And as a result of doing what is right in the sight of the Lord, God blessed him. He had one of the longest reigns of any king in Judah. He reigned for 52 years. That's hard for us to grasp. I'm 52 years old right now. So they had the same king for my lifetime at this point. Um, we're used to going to the polls every four years, and, and we may have a new leader every four years. We typically see them extend for eight years, but after that, there is a shift in power, and that's always been the way it is. But they had the same king for 52 years, and as I said, he basically did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and as a result of that, God blessed him. We read that he subdued his enemies. He brought about a time of peace for the nation. He actually fortified the city of Jerusalem and equipped them with weapons and ushered in a sense of national security over Judah itself. In fact, the other day I was reading that he also expanded their agricultural abilities and commerce, and so the nation really took off and prospered under the righteous hand of King Uzziah. Unfortunately, some of you also know that in the end, he did sin presumptuously against God and burnt incense to the Lord, which he was forbidden to do. That was something that only the priests would do. But he acted presumptuously and God struck him with leprosy and he would live out the rest of his days as a leper until finally God struck him dead in judgment. And in the year of his death, we are told that it became a time of fear, a time of confusion, a time of unrest that settled upon the hearts of the citizens of that nation. And Isaiah, being one of them, goes to the temple to seek the Lord. And it's here that he has a vision of the Lord. And he tells us that he sees him sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, which, uh, excuse me, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Now the scene that was set before Isaiah in a vision, and understand that he is not seeing this physically, this is a vision that he has, and the scene that is before him revealed to Isaiah that God was still in absolute and total control. It was meant to show him that regardless to where the nation was at this time and regardless to what had happened to their king, God was still sitting on the throne. 
He was sitting on that throne high and lifted up in power and authority. It is the idea that he was lifted above the earth so that all that is in the earth and in the universe is under him. That all power and authority had been granted to him and to him alone. And then he sees the train of his robe filling the temple. Uh, This would be a train that would be very similar to a, a bridal gown that has a long train that follows the bride in on her wedding day. And in those days, it was very customary for kings to wear robes that had long trains behind them. In fact, as I understand it, the more power, the more authority, the more influence, the more important the leader was, the longer the train was. Now, you can imagine that that is going to limit your mobility. You're not going to be able to move well with that long of a train. But that was the point. It was making a statement. A king would wear clothes like this to limit their mobility to send a message. I am so important. I have so much power. I have so much authority that I don't need to move. All I need to do is speak the word and I have servants that will execute that word. Well, my God takes it even further because when he speaks a word, he doesn't even need someone to carry it out because when he says it is done in creation, he said, let there be light and there was light for the glory and the honor of God. How many of you know there is no one like our God who can speak the word and it's done in Jesus' mighty name? But then he sees a seraphim, and seraphim literally means burning ones. That's what it means, and they are hovering over his throne. These are angelic beings who have been designated to attend to the majesty and the holiness of the Lord. But watch this, verse 3. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. So the very first revelation of God that is given to Isaiah is the holiness of the Lord. Now, before I get into that, let me just say that the words holy and holiness, I'm I'm afraid that they are still misleading and are misunderstood in the greater uh, population of the church, I would say. Because still, most people think of holy or holiness as what they do. I do what is holy. I, I do holiness. But, but that is not true, really. Holiness is not what you do. Holiness is what you have called to be. You are called to be holy as He is holy. We don't do what is holy. We do what is right. We do what is righteous before God. And we do what is right before God because we are holy. Holy is our calling. Holy is what we are called to do. And the word holy itself literally means to be separate from. It means to separate from, to set apart. Uh, Something that is holy is set apart unto God. God is holy and there is none holy as our God. Declaring the holiness of God was to say that He is separate from His creation. That He is above His creation 
creation, which is to say he is not limited by, nor is he hindered by, nor is he restrained by anything in the created universe because all power and all authority belong to him. How many of you are thankful that your God is not limited by anything you're going through right now, but all power and all authority belongs to him in Jesus' name? He is high and lifted up above all, so that means that all things are under his power and his dominion. And these seraphim as burning ones are now burning that into the mind of Isaiah, declaring not once, not twice, but three times, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now the Hebrews would repeat words over and over again to emphasize their importance. And in saying that he is holy, 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 they are saying there is no one holier than God. That he is above it all and because he is above it all everything is under his power and under his authority for the glory of God. And that should make someone shout really loud today to realize that everything you will ever face in life is already under his feet in Jesus mighty name. But listen to the second part. He says the whole earth is say that with me is who would have thought that a two-lettered word would be so important but it changes everything the whole earth is full of his glory say it like that with me the whole earth is full of his glory say it again the whole earth is full of his glory I'm gonna tell you That just encouraged my heart this week. Now, you know, the danger of sharing what God put on your heart is you don't know if everybody's going to receive it the same way you did. But I'm going to share it anyway because I just need to be blessed again today. I don't mind telling you that Monday night I was at a pastor's banquet. There were some pastors and we were um, having a banquet together and it's one we do yearly. I look forward to it. I have a great time of fellowship. But I got to be honest, I was terribly distracted that evening. And for whatever reason, I was on my iPhone and I'm, I'm reading this portion of Scripture. And it wasn't even because I was looking for a sermon. I just was reading this. I felt to go to Isaiah 6. I love this portion of Scripture, so I'm reading it. And that word is jumped right off that page into my heart. And I got so excited, I grabbed the program, and I started immediately just writing the thoughts that were in my heart, and I could barely contain myself even throughout this week, just waiting to get and to share with you what was on my heart. Notice that the seraphim do not say the whole earth was full of His glory, but with the crisis at hand, it isn't anymore. Also notice that they don't say the whole earth will be full of His glory when the conditions improve. Without hesitation, without reservation, these angels said, Isaiah, the whole earth is right now full of His glory. It was their way of saying, I know your king is no longer in power. And I know that you see sin out of control in your nation. But I want you to know that the whole earth is right now full of His glory. And He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly and above all that you could ever ask or think in Jesus mighty name I came here to tell somebody that no matter what you're going through right now the whole earth is full of his glory and your God is not hindered by anything that is going on can you say amen
I don't know if any of you are afraid of what's happened in Iran, but I want you to know my God is still on the throne. It doesn't matter what man does. The whole earth is full of His glory. Oh, come on, church. Magnify His name with me. Amen. Those seraphim were saying, Isaiah, we know that the king is dead. And we know that the nation has fallen into deep drunkenness. And the love of pleasure, moral perversion, corrupt leadership, and willful defiance, sin, and wickedness. And we know that your king, who was a stabilizing force in your nation for 52 years, is dead. And to you and others, it seems like the whole nation's falling apart. But we want you to know today, Isaiah, and anyone else that will listen to your message, God is still on the throne his glory is still filling the temple and the whole earth is full of his glory come on folks I want you to magnify the Lord with me today nothing nothing has diminished the power of our God he is able in Jesus mighty name all the glory all the power all the authority of God is still over and in the earth in Jesus name I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 19 and verse number 1 the heavens declare the glory of God the firmament shows his handiwork day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world in them he has set a tabernacle for the son what is he saying he's saying there is not one tribe and not one tongue that cannot hear the language of creation declaring the whole earth is full of his glory in Jesus name I love Isaiah 55 that says for you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands why because the whole earth is full of his glory glory. I love what Paul said in Romans 1 and verse 20. He said, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, which just simply means that not one man, not one, one woman who has ever walked on the earth, who's alive right now or ever live in the future, will ever be able to stand before God one day and say, I didn't know you exist. God said, I stand my invisible attributes in every sunset in every sunrise in every fall and every winter and every spring and every summer I want you to know that the whole earth is full of the glory of almighty God and this is why when Jesus came riding in to Jerusalem on that donkey, on that triumphant entry, and everyone began to praise and worship Him. And the religious leaders said, you need to silence them. That Jesus immediately said, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the very stones would immediately cry out because the whole earth is full of His glory. And I'm wondering if for just 10 seconds there might be a child of God that would stand to their feet and would with all of creation declare the glory of almighty God that he is able come on stand to your feet and magnify the name of the Lord in Jesus mighty name hallelujah come on Bethel shout unto God with a voice of triumph hallelujah hallelujah bless his mighty name bless his mighty name bless his mighty name hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Look someone right in the eyeball and tell them our God is in control. Come on. Bless the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Now it appears that the reason Isaiah lost sight of that was because of his confidence in King Uzziah. Because it wasn't until King Uzziah was dead that he saw it. This is something that we often overlook in this story. King Uzziah had been such a good king for such a long time. He had been such a stabilizing force in that nation. That the nation and Isaiah actually trusted in him more than they trusted in God. They didn't have to pray as often. Because the right king was in place. Boy, is there a message we need to hear in 2020 right now. With election around the corner. They had such good leadership for 52 years, they didn't have to pray. They didn't have to trust God. Their confidence was in the government, not in their God. But now with his death, they were no longer able to put their trust in him. And Isaiah at least had enough knowledge of the Lord that he immediately ran to the temple to cry out to God. And rather than God just making all of these promises to him, he reveals himself as the one who was still in control and that his glory had not for one second been diminished, but the whole earth was still full of his glory. And I'm going to tell you, I came to you this morning here at Bethel to ask you one question. What king in your heart has to die in 2020 for you to see that God is still on the throne and that the whole earth and therefore your whole situation that you're facing right now is full of His glory? What king is it that you've allowed rule and reign in your heart that has caused you to diminish the power of God that not for one second has been diminished. Because it happened to Uzziah, it can happen to you. You know, for some of you, it might have been a relationship. Some of you have more confidence in certain relationships that you have or you do not have. And your trust is in that rather than in God. It may be a husband. It may be a wife. It may be a sickness. It may be depression, it may be fear, it may be anxiety. And you would say, Pastor Kurt, I would never, never let my depression be my God, really. Then why do you, do you order your steps according to that fear and that depression? You won't get out of bed. You won't come to church because you're depressed. Who is your king? Is it your depression or is it King Jesus, your Lord and your Savior? Do you hear what I'm saying today? It may be that your president is. Can I go there for a minute? I may be looking for another church after what I'm going to say right now. I'm serious. All right? Listen. All of you have the luxury of having your opinion and letting it be known to one another. I have to keep this pulpit pure from politics. Because I'm not here to promote a man. I'm here to exalt Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
And I'm not going to drag politics into this pulpit. I'm not. But let me just say something. Regardless to what you think of President Trump, the one thing that every child of God cannot deny, cannot deny, is that many of his policies have been very favorable to religious freedom in this country and even around the world. Can we all agree on that? I guess not. (laughs) Maybe you don't follow it enough. He just has. You name another president that has stood in the UN and cried out against martyrdom and Christian persecution around the globe. Okay, and again, that's not a political statement. I'm just saying he has done much. Okay? But here's the problem is that I hear many and their trust and their hope is in that man. And you're, you're fearful of what 2020 is going to hold. Can I just stand here today and tell you that I will sleep well the night before the election and I am going to sleep well the day after the election, win, lose, or draw, because I am not held together by a president. My life is in the hands of an almighty God who will never be voted out of, out of his office. He is the almighty God. He's worthy of our praise. In Jesus name can I hear a good amen on that bless God for some of you it's your intellect and your mind is your king and it keeps you from seeing the glory of God it's your pain your hurt your uh, betrayal it may be a crisis that you've allowed to become the king and that's what I'm saying is that you have more confidence in that crisis you have more confidence in that sickness and in that pain than you do almighty God and as long as that lives you'll never see that God is still on the throne we need to get into the presence of God and realize that nothing that has ever happened in the world history and nothing that will happen in world history in the future will ever diminish the power of our almighty God he is still in control and he still speaks and it's done in Jesus mighty name come on somebody give God the praise for that I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 8 it says you have put how many things come on say it like you mean it you have put all things in subjection under his feet and in that he put all in subjection under him he left nothing that is not put under him. If he has everything under his feet, if all things are under his feet, then that means nothing is not under his feet and his power. But listen to this, reality check. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. And I've always been amazed with that verse because that is true. Even though everything we go through in life is already under his feet, We don't always see everything under his feet. I mean, some of you are going through things right now in your family. Some of you are going through some things in in your workplace, in your marriage. And you say, it doesn't seem like everything is under his feet. But I love what he says next. But we see Jesus. I may not see everything under his feet, but I see Jesus. And I see the one who made blind eyes see and deaf ears hear, gave the ability for the lame to walk again, raised the dead, and stood on the water and said, peace be still. 
I may not see it under his feet, but I see Jesus, and I know he's already won the victory in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give the Lord praise in his house if you believe that today. Bless God. Now, now watch this, watch this. Verse 4 says, And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Mm. Now, a lot of times we, we'll apply this to like a church service. And boy, would I love to see like a manifestation of the Spirit like that, where all of a sudden there was a mist that came through this place, and literally the doors began to shake. That would be wonderful. I haven't seen that yet, but I'm not dead yet. Who knows what the future may hold? But, but there's a, a greater application here. Look at the two things that took place. First of all, the whole temple was filled with smoke, which we know represents the Holy Spirit. And then the posts of the door began to shake. Now what's interesting is that what he had just seen in a vision spiritually, he was now seeing in a reality in the physical. He had seen in a vision the Lord high and lifted up. Now he's visibly, physically seeing the Lord now moving among him in the Holy Spirit. And the power of God that he saw in a vision, he's now experiencing as even the posts of the door of the temple begin to shake. Now some of you are saying, well, Pastor Kurt, then what is the, uh, what is the application here? Well, in the New Testament, there is no temple. This is not a temple. This is simply a building where the body of Christ gathers to worship the Lord to magnify his name. But there is a temple in the New Testament. It's you. Remember Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 said, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad I don't have to wait to come here on Sunday to have a vision of the Lord because I'm the temple. I can have a vision of the Lord anytime I allow the kings of my heart to die and see that he is still on the throne in Jesus' name. And the good news is, is that when you slay those kings that you have trusted in and your eyes are open to see that no one can diminish the power of your God, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and the doorposts of your heart will be shaken. What is the significance of that? What was on my heart was what it says in Hebrews. Seeing therefore that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us serve the Lord. It's the idea, I am going to shake up in your life everything that you've trusted so that you will trust me and me alone. I'm going to tell you, God is shaking up the church so that our trust is no longer in anything or anyone, but our trust is in Almighty God, who is still high and lifted up, who can still just say one word, and it's done, and whose glory is in the earth today. 
in Jesus' mighty name. Bless God. Can you stand to your feet? Stand all over this place. Lift your hands to the Lord and just magnify His name here this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team just to lead us in this one song. I'll come back up and close us in prayer. But come on, let's lift our hands, lift, lift our voices. Just say, Lord, show us your glory. Show us your glory, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah.